Alright, recording in progress and welcome back to episode number five of the Friday Physio Confession podcast. So you see, I'm getting that bit by bit. Yeah. And once again, I'm here with my co-host, Matt. My name is, as usual, Martin. I don't have anything fancier than that. And as you know, Matt, you, you've been sick for quite a while and you're just looking terrible or not terrible. You, maybe like <laughs> dried and boiled shit, but you know, I like you. I thought I was and, looking quite good today. I've been trying to get the lighting just right, just to make myself look <laughs> a little bit better. <laughs> well, yeah, it's probably it's a hard wank, I'll say, but it's manageable. I get sympathy coffin. Yeah. And so I've been trying to get uh, some some guests on to give you a, a pause or a place of comfort. And it isn't going very well. I had Joe Baxter, the coolest uh, gal I know, well, on Twitter at least, uh, Joe Baxter, and she agreed to do this, and then she got sick as well. <sighs> and I said, let's do it later this week. And she yes, said yes, and it turns out that she ghosted me. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so here we I, are. Well, and he, I'm missing the World Cup for this. Brazil played yeah, Serbia are. as we record this, and but here I am. Well, you have it on in the background. No, not I haven't actually. I was running a bit late on the way home from work, so I jumped oh, in the shower, came straight down here, stuck my pajamas on. Oh, I haven't showered. I haven't showered, and I have been had my train workout today, and my butt cheeks are still kind oh, of wow. sweaty and stinging. But anyway, I've been trying to get some guests on and sending out some emails and requests and DMs, and the responses have been ranging from just. Uh, no to stop emailing me, please. And how did you get my address? (laughs) No, I really hate you. I don't like the podcast. Is this your wife? Yeah, mostly my wife. (laughs) Uh, No, she actually answered. Are are you joking me? You are a joke. I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was one of my watch. But I find I'm 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 okay with that. Just getting negative responses, that's okay. That's okay. There's one one that went a bit too far in my opinion. I'll I'll read it up to you. I'll just get it. And so I can't say who it is this was from, but let's see. Hi Martin, thanks for reaching out. I'll have to say no I would in fact rather invent a time machine go back in time to the night your parents made you record that go forth in time again and play that audio for 24-7 on all (laughs) my appliances rather than rather rather than go on your podcast and that, that was bit too harsh i think yeah i'm glad you got my email <laughs> no that was from your girlfriend actually <laughs> she, she's fictitious as well <laughs> now what i actually wanted to talk about 
today was that I'm in the middle of my exams preparations. I've, you know, I'm doing my master's degree right now. And you pointed out earlier on another earlier episode that you've already done your master's in pain science, like the big guy you are. And uh, I'm doing my master's in, is it just uh, musculoskeletal health? in general and they pointing us towards this scientific uh, course thing so we had a home written exams over two weeks and that that was that was okay i'll just get the time to wrap it out but now i'm having uh, an exam on monday about science history science philosophy uh like uh, uh, methodology, study differences, study design, study methods, and mm. statistics al- and that analysis. Yeah. yeah. And, this is, you know, and I, I get up, you know, the different kind of study designs. You got your, cro- your observational ones, your cross sectional, you got your cohorts, and you got your. Uh... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> You're struggling. Yeah, already. I'm two study designs in. I'm I'm stopping. Okay, cross sectional cohort. Oh, what's the last of the observational observational studies? Jeez. You ready for the exam then, are you? No. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm on I'm nervously shitting myself. I'm I've been to before the the clock strike. One today, I was already in the bathroom my fourth time running. I can't even, I can't use proper toilet paper anymore. I have to do oh, wet wipes and go in the shower. I'm, I'm bleeding from my anus, man. But that's not the issue. So cross, you got cross-sectional, you got cohort, and then you got... You tell me, you're the one studying it. Oh, fuck you. Jeez. It's irrelevant to me these days. It doesn't change clinical practice. Case me, control. But... You got case control. All right, and then you got the interventional uh, RCT, and that is the oh my god, what's it's called? The quantitative studies, yes. Yeah. Of course, and then you got all the qualitative studies stuff, and all. And you know, you go, you go that far, and you think, yeah, well, this this is okay. I got this. You know, cross sectional study. You can say something about prevalence. Uh, mm-hmm. and different values and sorts and in cohort you can say something about incidents and co- correlation and stuff and case control it's it's good to see the difference in people that say back pain why similar group this group has back pain this group has, hasn't got back pain what what are the differences between them and of course rcts are gold standards as we understand it and then you got the quality, your quality studies trying to, you know, make sense of a situation or, or creating hypothesis about certain environments that gives us something to, yeah, learn out from. But th- so that's not the problem, right? The problem is when I have to read stuff like this, which is the different variables. Dependent versus independent. Generally, the dependent variable is simply a variable that is dependent on an independent variable. Mm-hmm. Does that well, make sense to you? <laughs> not at all. 
And that's the easy part. I understand what a dependent and independent variable is. You know, it's an independent variable. It, it, it changes. And the dependent variable, it depends on the independent. You know, like... Um, Are you using this uh, this podcast as some sort of uh, study session for yourself? Are you hoping... Yeah, I am. Some, I am. I, a little I, bit I of gold to you. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, for example, in our case test marked as a student choosing it, is dependent on revision time and intelligence, while revision time and intelligence uh, may or may not cause a change in a test mark dependent variable. The reverse is implausible. In other words, what the fuck? Who wrote what this? Jesus Christ, uh, some of my teachers. But then you go on, and it's, you know, okay, is the variable categorical or metric? You know, variables are variables that have two or more categories and can be divided into nominal and ordinal. All right, categorical. Nominal yep. variables are variables, ordinal, and then you have metric that can be discrete or continuous. Uh, <laughs> and that's, oh, oh, that's okay. You know, discrete variables are counted with variables. <laughs> what the fuck? That cannot have a decimal, such as number of children. Well, you could have mm -hmm. very small children, but uh, I guess that still counts as one, I guess. <sighs> Continuous variables are measured and can have decimals, and its, and its units can be described with mathematical subunits, such as height, as meter, or sentiment. So, so on, you know, okay, all right, I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you. And then you got bivariate data analysis. And so I'm, I'm kind of missing the point here. Formulating a question. Okay, I'm getting comparing two ind independent groups. Then you have the independent t-test and a paired t-test. You sound and lost. And then you have... I'm fucking lost. I'm so lost. Pearson's correlation. And so what we figured out what I discovered today that one of my... my, my my uh, goals, or one of the, the, the discourse goals is that um, I'll be able to calculate, you know, the median, the risk ratio, ratio the odds ratio, the uh, confidence interval, and all mm -hmm. that. And, you know, reading a paper is, you know, you have to be critical, but I've always been... When I'm reading a paper, paper and, and um, you get to the methods section, we did this and that and found it, and they say like, and we calculated this and we calculated that, and I'm, I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, you did that. I but, trust you. Yeah, I trust you. <laughs> but this, this, I'm now, I'm trying to understand if the calculations or meta calculations they did is appropriate for what they had mm -hmm. and I don't understand it at all I'm lost I'm completely yeah. lost so it's uh, just... <laughs> crash, crash course you got 20 minutes crash course mate <laughs> I'm not sure I'm your uh, your ideal subject for answering some of these queries I always kind of thought of when you're critiquing a research paper, it's a little bit like when you're looking at a piece of fine art and you have not got a clue what you're looking at, but you could probably spout something out for the next person to come in the room, see something totally different. Part of the, uh, yeah. 
part of the issue with Twitter is probably that one person thinks they understand it quite well and they'll put their opinions out there and the rest of us just don't understand that paper and go along with that one person. So yeah. it's a yeah. Uh, it's a dangerous game to play, and it's. Uh... It's a dangerous, and that was a lot when you know when Physio Network came out, mm-hmm. and and you know they do this. Uh, well, you know what Physio Network is, but I can tell you they they do they have twelve articles, research articles a month. They have somebody read through and find strengths and weaknesses and conclusions and clinical impact of that. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love it. But now. I am beginning to question everything. I'm beginning to question my intelligence, my sexuality, my choice (laughs) of clothing, my (laughs) beard. Yeah. You've definitely made it. If you've got to the point now where you're beginning to ask the why question, then you're... uh, (laughs) You're making progress. I was yeah. trying to find out. I was looking up on the internet different ways of how I could unblock my sinuses. I don't know if you... I've never had this sinusitis, but while I've had this nasty chest infection or whatever it is that I'm taking this antibiotics for, I looked up, how do you clear your sinuses? And I read a research paper on it, and I was mm-hmm. like, sounds good. And they suggested getting a some sort of device that could get high pressure... And I could fill it up with hot water, open my mouth, and blast it up one nostril so that all of the fluid then came out the other side. Have you ever done that? That sounded like instant headache to me. It was absolutely vile. I did it, and there was, I had a nosebleed, there was blood coming out the other nostril. And I was thinking, I read this in a research paper, it must be right. <laughs> I had no idea how much salt to put in this salty water solution that I'd made, and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. I felt like it was oh, coming man. out of my eyes. But that made oh, me man. think a little bit about different research papers I've read in physio over the years and thought, yeah, I'll just try and stick that <laughs> on the patient. And that was probably me blasting this salty water up their nose <laughs> just because I read it in one paper. I mean, absolutely no idea what it meant. But I'm sure you like uh, I'm sure you like me have been guilty in the past of just grabbing the abstract and reading it quickly and being like, yeah, that fits my argument. Yeah, oh, let's yeah, have yeah. that one. Definitely abstract for life, man. And that I, you can't really expect people to be able to deep dive into stuff like this on that level that is required to really understand it. And I've been trying. Yeah, that it's just no way. I'm trying. I'm trying to understand this now, and I, I can't. I really can't. I'm, I'm over the you know fetal position, crying in my office. But <laughs> it's more of a, a last ditch attempt to just pass my exams on Monday, one way I'm or sh- another. Yeah. I'm sure you will. I always tended to gravitate a little bit more towards the qualitative studies. Whenever I was doing any work in my master's, I would always go straight to the qualitative stuff, to all the interviews and people's responses to surveys. Because to me, that made, I loved it where there was just quotes and you could just take quotes from what different people in these studies had said. There's no statistics behind that. And you just say, oh, there's a few... uh, 
I used to love quoting the phrase, there's common themes that are coming out here. Uh, that was yeah. my uh, that was my workaround. I think I became very much a qualitative specialist as opposed to anything that carried numbers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, same page here. Same page here. And definitely since I got my social studies background, and social studies are all about uh, understanding, you know, the ethnographics and and social anthropology and all that, and and, and the value of trying to to understand someone else's perspectives of and pr yeah perspectives of reality and it's mm. just it's interesting and you can you can chew around it and you can you, know, you talk around it and you can you know play with your mind a little bit but hard facts and numbers mm -hmm. it's i'm feel i'm getting raped by a cactus every day that's my that's <sighs> my feeling i just can't and we have this lecturer who's insane he just blobs off and of course uh, we have this variable and this variable everyone knows what test we have to use to get the p-value right <laughs> and that's i still you. don't yeah <laughs> and, and p-values are a uh there's still something that i don't think i quite understand and i'm not sure i ever will it's a, yeah it's a prob probability value i know what the p stands for <laughs> <laughs> That's how far I've gone. Do you feel like you've just taught me something there by telling me what the P stands for in P value? <laughs> I, felt, I felt I came on strong with that one. I'll, I'll admit it. I, I thought that, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, what is the P value really? Uh, I think well, we need to get. We probably need to get somebody on here who understands statistics a little bit more to give us that kind of dumbed-down guide to statistics. That would be super helpful. Maybe I don't we should know. try to get Steve, Steve Camper, Steve Camper, Camper on. Yeah, oh, we could do somebody who understands the numbers. Yeah, or Mark Matthews or someone. But, uh, so it's my understanding, p-value, you know, is probability of... The prob probability that you can reject or accept the mm -hmm. null hypothesis right and that the... i'll sit here and nod shall i yeah okay so and and, and there are well the the number we usually uses is 0 0.05 isn't it and that's mm -hmm. just arbitrary where is that from it's not it's like leg length and when you have one leg shorter than one and a half centimeter than the other, that's the cutoff value if you needed to get something yeah. done. But my foot is only 1.4 centimeters shorter than the other, so I'm safe. But but I, it, well, it isn't with how high, high a percentage of probability you can be certain that you can reject or accept the nil hypothesis, isn't it? But you got it there. Would you read it out to us? I don't have it there. I'm trying to look I at the football. Say, you said I'm, you go you're watching I'm, football. I I'm looking you were Googling P value. I'm looking I'm looking at a few different uh cartoon images of P values. Mm. That's what I've uh, I've turned to, and now I'm gonna go and check the football score. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're hopeless. Really live up to a reputation of being the place you can <laughs> chill out and don't when, learn anything. When was your first sort of uh, dabble into research, would you say, in your clinical day-to-day -day life? 
Do you remember a time when you've tried to implement something that you've read uh, that's kind of going against the norm, things that you've just picked up from other clinicians? Have you ever, off your own back, read something and thought, yeah, this is going to get implemented tomorrow? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, isometrics. <laughs> yeah, I got on the isometrics train real fucking yeah. fast. Yeah, you mean as a, a pain relieving modality, or yeah, giving yeah. everybody start with isometrics, and I, I, I still use it, but not with the same ferocity as I did in the beginning. I think isometrics is a, is a nice place to start. Almost mm-hmm. everybody can can tolerate isometrics, but you know the uh, hold this for forty seconds and you'll be pain free for a couple of minutes. <laughs> no, uh, so yeah, that but reminds I, me of the. Reminds me very much when you say that, hold it for 40 seconds, that this... this (laughs) Okay, I'm not not going where you think I'm going. (laughs) That would have been funny. (laughs) Have you thought about at all, you remember when you first start introducing exercises to someone and they say to you, how many many should I do? Do you know the answer to that question? Three times ten, baby. <laughs> and where has that come from? Who has passed that down? Isn't that uh, from some military research? Is it really? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's from, wow. from, from some some uh, and just arbitrary number, and it's got picked up on and and uh, tossed around. Wow, uh, I think some... so. Yeah. See now, now I am learning something. That is something mm. that I absolutely never knew. But well, I, I think so. Take it with a hand of salt, would you? Yeah. Yeah. I, so yeah. one of the big things I think with research is that it's like if you were if you were having an argument with some colleagues, it's very easy to find all the people who are on your team and think the same and you go and recruit all of those to your team. Mm. The thing you'd never do is get someone on your team who totally disagrees with you. <laughs> so as, as soon as these different, I see these different things going on on Twitter where people are debating different topics and firing research papers around like it's a game of top trumps. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy because I don't think, I don't know, maybe I'm generalizing. Maybe people are much, much smarter than me, but it's very easy to stick a research paper in a Twitter thread and say, disagrees with what I'm saying, yeah. so you're obviously wrong. Yeah, so, yeah. it is. It's, 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 well, first of all, we all love our confirm uh, confirmation bias and our, our, our bubbles. So that's just it's, it feels so good, doesn't it, to just mm. have someone validate what you what you personally think and and and, and believe in. But but that that Twitter or social media bubble where everyone throws their papers around and and especially the funny thing is when you go i've tried to go into some of those and first of all i can't understand them but second of all there seems to be <laughs> look at my research library and you got articles from 1953 or 200 <laughs> articles and, and it just becomes as you said a game of yeah, just throwing shit out. Here is yeah. something that confirms me. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. Yeah, and you get taught all these different ways. I remember in university we'd have different one-day lecture type things on how to search different databases, 
and how to use them and how to do your your pico and you come across pico does that mean something yeah. to you population yeah. intervention comparison outcome yeah yeah you're taught all the different databases to search and all that sort of stuff but as soon as you're a year past doing all that stuff it's straight back to google and you just yeah. pop your topic stri- straight into Google, and you take the t- the top one. I've taken to yeah. the uh, the art now of writing .pdf after whatever I'm searching for, and that will give you a research paper. Oh, yeah, life hack. <laughs> oh, definitely. Jesus, that's a life hack. All right, that's a smart one. Yeah, have to use my biggest. One. I think my biggest life hack in the way that I, I would say, coasted through some of my masters was. Find out what the topic is that you're studying. Find uh, a nice Cochrane systematic review straight wow. to all the papers they've used, and then you just do it all in reverse, and you've done all <laughs> of your search for you. No point doing all of this searching yourself when somebody who's paid to do this has already done it. <laughs> that's the no, way I that's thought true. about it. That's true. That's true. That's a good... And that, actually, that's a good, you know, a good tip around if you're looking for a content or, or, or you know references and also find the good papers around and look at what they reference to in mm-hmm. the introduction just yeah, get the introduction is. and look at references there and you got maybe 10 20 papers pointing you in a good direction 100 mm-hmm. percent. it's all about doing this in uh doing it in reverse isn't it you find out yeah. what the question is you're being asked of you you find out who the smart people who have already done this and then find out what yeah. they read. And then it's up yeah. to you whether you choose to read it or not. Yeah, but yeah exactly. Think- yeah. And I, the problem is, you know, in acad- all academical writing that when you're in it, you can understand it. But when you're out of it a couple of years, it gets yeah. freakishly hard just to, you know, understand. Like the posters I read up earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, those sentences don't make sense. They make sense if you know it, but trying yeah. to teach them. It's like, you know, uh, we, you know, we had a game in, in, in school, in, uh, in high school and everything, and always one of the subjects was explain this topic like you would explain it to a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And in university, is like, explain this topic like you're talking to a fellow expert. <laughs> I think anyone can say a lot of words and type a lot of words on Twitter, but it's the meaningful things that come out of your mouth. If you could explain it in a way that doesn't take 10 hours to explain, that means you understand it. I remember when I was yeah. trying to learn about all these different types of variables and I was like, independent, dependent. <laughs> and then, then I realized that independence got the letter I in it. So maybe that means that I can change something. And then I realized, oh, independent variables, the things that I mess around with, dependent depends on what I do. And then it all seemed to start clicking into place. Remember that on Monday, Martin. (laughs) Yeah, I will. I will. Probably not, but thanks for heads up. I'm trying. There's a a four hours multiple choice exam with 200 questions because the fucking smart asses over at my university find out that maybe we should hire uh, external uh, professional fucking team to get this right. And they, at first, they had thought that 100 questions was enough and that was good. And the mm-hmm. team came back with, no, 
This means that they can cheat. So now I'm up to 200 fucking questions. And I opened my trial exams. And one of the questions wasn't even a fucking multiple choice. It was <laughs> use two, the two different nones calculations to find out the systolic pressure by fucking... Oh. And in, in what way are you hoping this is going to benefit your career? That's a good question, man. Uh, you want the letters? Do you want the letters after your name? Is that what you're chasing? I don't care. I don't care about the letters, you know. Yeah. If you want letters after your name, I would suggest just getting some of that alphabet soup, and that's the best way to do it. Yeah. All of these. I already got. I already got called Dilf on 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 Twitter. So D I L F, and so I'm quite living on all that and that. It's the only letters I live by, and I will accept. <laughs> so no, it's not about letters. It's probably uh, because we're in some sort of process of looking for other jobs and everything. And and in my line, working in clinical in private practice, or, or to get the counter deal that I have, there's no room for someone that doesn't have a, a master's or two. I talked with a, a classmate that. Uh, had trying to 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 apply for uh, what we call a, a, a driftilskud in Norway. This, this is when you get a deal from the state that gives you you sort of semi private, which I am. And he's he's telling me that the last work, job I applied for as a you know, semi private clinic, I had to compete with guys that and ladies that had two or three masters wow yeah. what happens when you've got three masters what does that make you you like the grand insane master? insane yeah. that's what makes wow. you that's not living what? in the real world oh, how many masters not... can you get <laughs> well i asked my uh my older brother i got an older brother that's 10 years older than me and he's a bit shorter than me i have to add that <laughs> but he has a phd and is working on his another phd and he him and his wife they're fucking brilliant smart people and they're really top of their game and they've always been like it's not worth doing if you can't do it perfectly Mm -hmm. and but when asked when you look back now and see was it worth it they both say oh fuck no hell no (laughs) But that's the thing. You need the uh, you need the golden ticket. Otherwise, you can't go yeah. in the chocolate factory, can you? And that's unfortunately what depends if you really depends a bit on your charisma and your charm and how how uh, eager your partner is. I guess. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> know. I I think you, there's a few in the UK. It seems to be the case that. You need to have these things behind you to get these jobs so that you can work in clinical positions that need good quality oh. clinical reasoning. And without your without your masters, you're not able to do that. And yeah. I know some some terrible clinicians. They won't mind me calling them that because they're not listening. Oh. And yeah. they they've got their masters, but does that mean that they're great clinicians? And I know equally some really good and i guess you'd put the label on them of inexperienced because they don't have as many years under their belt but their clinical reasoning is exceptional but they weren't able to get these posts because they're 
they've not got the golden ticket and they can't go in the chocolate factory. Yeah, exactly. And this, I think I said it on the earlier pod, or, or, or pod um, but that the grades level you have to have in Norway to get into physio is really high. Mm-hmm. Absurdly high. I got in. Well, not because <laughs> my grades, but because the the university I went to has a, a small allocation group for people that are <laughs> born and raised in the north of Norway. But, but 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 anyway, that good grades. So you went you went through so, the back door, did you? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely the back door. <laughs> just, you were, Hello, here I am. I'm here to escape. learn something. <laughs> the fire yeah. escape was open, and they let you in. <laughs> they just Very yeah. Cool. I just walked in and they just thought I belonged there. And, wow. uh, you know, but, uh, but anyway, and that my point is that good grades, and I've seen people with really good freaking grades that are terrible human beings and terrible listeners and terrible communicators. And I've seen people with no degrees, not anything, fucking sell a car to a homeless man, you know? That level of communication is just beyond. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's how it. That's how it was in the UK for a long time. In the UK, the courses used to be funded by the NHS, yeah. and I think at that time, to get into physiotherapy, to get a degree that you didn't have to pay for, was seen like this absolutely. It's the golden goose, and people would try to get on these courses, so they became uber, uber competitive. And yeah. I think more recently that funding has been pulled to a degree. <laughs> so the the parameters to try to get into university are maybe a little different, but I don't think that necessarily has diluted the, the talent pool that exists in physiotherapy. I think you still get some really, really good clinicians and you could have the most book smart individual in the world that has no experience of talking to the general public. It's very easy to spot somebody who's maybe had a, had a job when they were 16 years old and they've got used to talking to the general public versus somebody who never met them in their life. Definitely. And I think that can set you up massively to be a good clinician. If you've got that ability to just talk and have some emotion in your voice, says the most monotone man going <laughs> nasal man <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, uh, I, uh, I get what you're getting at and, and and there was a talk for some years back that things like medicine to be a gp or you know, and physio or healthcare should rely on admission into use mm-hmm. practically just talking with people and not not grades would be a part of it yeah of course but but not all, all that yeah. matters, and I think that's a good idea. But yeah. because, to be honest, I've talked with, I've talked with GPs and other doctors and other medicine people and nurses on and healthcare professionals, physios as well, and chiros and everything that shouldn't be allowed to talk to other people. There should be a special <laughs> place for them. <laughs> because it's so far, they're so detached. They're so far from, you know understanding anything about the social game and how to respect other people. You're talking about Twitter now, aren't you? That's where those people belong. (laughs) That's where I found you. (laughs) (laughs) I I came on Twitter just to be the antithesis to that. 
because yeah. I'm, 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 there was a discussion to being somebody else on, on social media as mm -hmm. in regards to real life. <laughs> and my response is, well, I ain't no different in real life. Yeah. I would I very much like to think that I live the same persona online as I do offline in the real world. But that make you made an interesting point there. You make me think a lot about uh, it's very easy as a physio to start criticizing colleagues of other professions. I don't know if you've ever done it, or I know I would have yeah. in previous years where you start saying, why has the doctor done this? Why have they sent for this MRI scan? Why have they done this? Why have they done that? And uh, thinking about that a little differently, my brother is a doctor and he works in a he works in an A and E department. And I had a chat with him not long ago, and he said to me, "How do you tell the difference between a frozen shoulder and like a like a subacromial pain, if you're allowed to call it that?" And I was like, "It's obvious." And he was like, "I don't." I don't care about that. I even need to see if they're alive or dead and move them to the right place. And I was thinking, maybe we're just, maybe we are super insignificant in this whole healthcare thing and more important than we want to be. Of course, everyone is more important than, uh, than they think they are. Important to, yeah, yeah. And they think, yeah. But, mm -hmm. but I think that one of the best things to realize is that everyone in the healthcare game is, you know, Dependence on, on where they are and where they live the world. Yeah, you know, you know, like I like to explain to patients that when you're going to see orthopedic division or orthopedic surgeon and, and they get bummed out from the answer or anything, and I like always like to point out that well, the ortho just he watches your joint and your bones. Can he do something? Mm -hmm. Is this worth? trying to operate or fix or whatever you whatever you would call it and he just he or she just sees that mm -hmm. that's the game so don't be disappointed yeah. he just he or she just told you that they didn't think they could improve this for you yeah that's everything the they see yeah the challenge is that patient has waited 18 months, haven't they, for that two-minute yeah. consultation to find out that maybe the man with the knife hasn't got the solution. Yeah. And then it's back to the clinician shopping they go to find the next yeah. second opinion time. <laughs> oh, and, and, and this made me think of another thing I always come across in, in clinic, you know, the, uh, the stuff that, well, they told me I need physio, but they also sent me for a scan. MRI or X-ray or CT or whatever. Maybe we should wait to begin any treating treatments or examination before we get, so we can get the the answer. Yeah. And what what's your reply to that? Have we come across it? Well, you're oh, you're, you're just making diagnosis, aren't you? I am making I am making diagnosis, but I'm referring on. I'm triaging. I'm getting people where I think they need to be, but. That happens to me on a regular basis. I'll see somebody where you've got your kind of suspected cervical radiculopathy and they're maybe two months in, raging arm pain. The only thing they can do to get it better is put their arm up off their head and they can't oh, do yeah. anything with their arm. And I see that quite often. And there's no neurological deficit. They're obviously not for surgery, but in respect to these symptoms that are plaguing them so much, I can try to, I'll use the R word, reassure them as much as I can. 
Oh, but the man. GP, yeah. the, G- <laughs> the GP has already requested the MR scan, say, which is not a bad move. Is this going to get better? Is it not? Let's find out what's going on. And I will say to them, I'll try and tell them all about the natural history, and this is probably going to get better, and this is the time frames we're looking at. And I'd say physiotherapy could be a, a good option for you here. And they will always say, I'd rather wait till I've got that scan back. Yeah. Um, you, think, you think that scan will be treatment, right? Mm-hmm. I had a patient today who presented to me and she had she had a three month history of raging leg pain um, I couldn't bring on her ankle jerk response, there was no power deficit in her leg but it was just an absent ankle jerk if we're going down the orthopedic medicine route, positive straight leg raise but we already know it's an L5-S1 disc type problem Three months in. Yeah, of course we know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know that. Still, pl- still plenty of time for improvement at three months. Uh, and I said to her, I'll request a scan today. We're three months down the line here. There is an element of a neurological compromise. So we request the scan. And she said, how long will it be? Uh, and with the current waiting times in our National Health Service, I was like, probably a couple of months. <laughs> and she said to me, <laughs> she said to me, I'll go private. I'll have it done tomorrow. And I said, if you want to, but ask ask yourself what's going to be different when you get that result back in two weeks versus when we get it back in two months. And even if we were going down a surgical route, nobody's jumping in to start operating on these things at three months down the line without any major neurological compromise. And that's where you it's difficult to manage that expectation. People will always have, there's not going to be a change in the tide anytime soon. I don't think where scans mean results, which mean sudden change in your management. And I tried to enforce to her, you can spend that money or I can spend it for you by getting it done here. But she still wanted the scan tomorrow because that gives that comfort, doesn't it? It gives that doing something. It does, it does. It's insane. And I, I haven't found a way around that at all. How to, no. to to navigate that that stuff because some people just want to scan. And I'm yeah, trying, but- you know, I'm trying to not, uh, uh, you know, hurt them by being honest. <laughs> and, but, but there's Importantly, a lot You've got to keep people on side, haven't you? You don't want to start yeah. making enemies with the people you're trying to help. Mm. Um, Definitely. I think, I, th- I can't remember who said this quote, but I remember reading it and it was when, you, when you're looking for advice, it's certainly not because you want someone to give it to you. It's because you want them to be there while you talk to yourself. And if somebody yeah. is coming to you and they're saying, oh, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, then they probably already have their own idea. They don't want you to start yeah. trying to exactly. And if, or... Yeah, and I think actually, if we were being serious here, I think that's a glorious quote because uh, because I talked to I talked to I've been on 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 you my podcast and laid myself bare with my own struggle with depression. I don't know if mm-hmm. you heard that. No, but I'll give it a listen when I'm trying to get to sleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have I just sent you into, a, into an yeah. absolute spiraling <laughs> But no, but, but one of my points was that we're not, 
you know, the, the when a friend comes to you and says, "I'm I'm depressed or I'm I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that," most of the time you're not looking for an answer or solution. You're just looking for someone to go. That's that's horrible, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's a, this, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. You want to be able to verbalize it, don't you? You want that opportunity yeah. to have your yeah exactly platform. Yeah. And that's what I, if it comes back to these kind of motivational interviewing principles, you come across the writing reflex. You heard of that? Oh, I had that. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, like me saying to you now, I feel like I've gained a lot of weight. <laughs> what should I do? And Martin saying, do some more exercise, you fat slob. You've given, I've given you it and you found a solution straight away. That's in yeah. your nature to be a problem solver. And I think in, exactly. as a, as a clinician, you've got to kind of resist the urge to have that writing reflex of spew it out straight away what the answer is. So like, yeah, but it's so I'm, hard. It's so hard. So, it's me saying to you, two plus two is, I, know that I could sit here all day, but I need to come across that answer myself. I don't need Martin to give me the obvious answer. It's for um, your fucking knobhead. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. That's a, good, that's a good point. And that's a hard street to know you, man. Yeah, the writing reflex, steer clear. Yeah. You ever heard that uh, podcast, You're Not So Smart? No, it sounds like something it's a I'd brilliant, like to, it, to Yeah, it's a brilliant podcast. Maybe it's a tad long, but I fucking love it. Uh, it's about the uh, the psychologist, I think. But really, yeah, they're talking about the, uh, the backfire effect and how it's not uh, really an effect or something. But it's really interesting. So, so shout out to the, you know that smart podcast. Give it a listen. It's really good. And for the fifth consecutive episode, I forgot what I was thinking. <laughs> I think that leaves us with plenty to talk about in the, the sixth episode. Then, <laughs> yeah, maybe Joe, maybe Joe yeah. Baxter will turn up then. Maybe I'll um I'll send some invites out. Let me have a think. Who uh, who yeah, I might be able to do that? Yeah. yeah, maybe you'll get better responses. I mean, you you got you got followers, right? You're a respected guy. Apparently, I'm just a just knobhead sh- trying to you know. Well, it's it's nice to stroke your ego every now and again and have a look how many people are apparently following you, but it makes yeah. absolutely no sense to me. I look at myself in clinic some days or when I see myself in the mirror in the morning when I'm running 10 minutes late for work and jumping in the shower. I'm thinking, why do people care about what I say? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah. crazy. The other day I got into work and I hadn't had time to shower and I thought, am I a bit smelly? So I found the strongest aftershave I had, and I smelled oh, incredible. No, I was incredible that day. <laughs> You're an excellent. I, I got so many compliments just from smelling good but not showering. It's <laughs> 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 the way to go. Right, <laughs> I try that with my wife. You know the the. Do you know how many followers I got now? So, you know <laughs> the, the sweet talk, and she's not impressed. She's not impressed at all. That's what well, oh shit. I, I I remember it now. What I was talking about the Bratz was earlier, not the my earlier point. Uh what I like to say to the patients that let's wait for the scan, let's wait for the operation stuff is like 
it's uh, I like to do the uh, you know your better your body is better prepared if it's stronger or more capable or healthier so let's just begin now if there is an operation in your future you'll be better set for it and people seem to like that mm-hmm. uh, just, I, yeah i can understand that i uh, maybe yeah. to maybe to play devil's advocate uh maybe maybe people see this incorrectly but why not wait why don't we just pander to what they believe and say that's fine Come back to me when you have those results and we'll have this chat and you've got all the evidence in front of you. You wouldn't go to court, would you, without having all the available evidence? Whereas yeah. sometimes maybe maybe it helps to get that buy-in and help someone understand what's the race. The race is oh. long. That's, we're uh, in the, we're treading into the philosophical, uh, ethical debate now about when, when are you competent or when are you the expert? When to be, or, or rather, when to be the expert and when not to be? Because mm-hmm. I have, you know, at, at some point you actually are trying to deliver good evidence-based advice, and you have to mm-hmm. do that. So, at what what line, what stage? Where where does this thinking, this realigning, uh, or, or, or trying to to cater to beliefs and changing beliefs, or not changing be- beliefs and building re- report. When does that line cross with the your job mm-hmm. to actually give and good advice, evidence based advice, and be the expert in that room in that setting? Well. I- uh, often when I every time I hear the word beliefs, I can't help but think about Father Christmas. That is the first thing that pops to my head. We all yeah. we all believed at some point, and you've got to think: when did you stop believing? Was it when somebody shattered the illusion for you, and you yeah. now resent that person for the rest of your life, or was it when you probably came to that realize realization yourself that, oh, maybe that isn't real? So sometimes it's a case of stumbling along until your beliefs do begin to change rather than have them smashed into smithereens by somebody who wants to be the expert. But Now we're back to motivational interviewing, isn't it? This is is getting too serious now. This has been a far too serious episode, man. (laughs) Blame it on you, you being sick and uh, (laughs) stuff. I tell you what, next next time we talk, I'll give you some of the real home truths and some of my stinkers from uh, clinical experiences. We'll get oh, off perfect. all this hard-hitting stuff. That's perfect. And That's perfect. On that note, I think my dinner might be ready, so it's time oh, to... Oh, your dinner uh... is ready. <laughs> oh, <laughs> lucky guy. Yeah. And I, you've interrupted the World Cup for me, Martin. Just because Norway didn't make it, there's no need to be uh, bitter about this. <laughs> Holon, holon. <laughs> have a uh, have a fantastic weekend, Martin, and everyone yeah. who listened. You as well, and and I hope for the next time we speak that I have passed my exam. I have fingers crossed my, for you. Yeah, and my stressed out belly and my shits have run dry. Remember, if there's a question on independent variables, it's got an I in it. The thing that I change. You'll never forget that.
Bye, Martin. Okay, thanks to our listeners, and we'll call it a night. So Matt can eat his dinner that his girlfriend has prepared because he's an alpha male and all that. In my fluffy That's jumper stupid. that I stood on yeah. it. All functional pattern guy. Alpha male. <sighs> yeah, okay. That's another topic, isn't it? Okay. Oh, <laughs> Let's not walk into that one just yet. And so, where's the fact? Well, no, fucking the, the anatomy physiology fact just went away, doesn't it? Just, <laughs> it was the first episode and I forgot it and everything. We'll bring it back. But, yeah, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. Well, thanks for the chat, Matt. And thank you for listening to episode, what is it, five? Hey, you tell me. I'm just here to ramble for 40 minutes. <laughs> well, fuck it. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the Friday Physio Confession podcast with no confessions in it, just ranting <laughs> and being angry with some seriousness and a lot of humor. And Matt is taking a picture of me. Thank you. So, <laughs> we'll see you on Twitter and we'll talk later, Matt. See you later, Matt. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.